Hi everyone, Thule here, one half of the Chinese EVs and more duo. Lei and I have been brainstorming about different ways to bring you, our audience, relevant, compelling content about the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors. Especially now that a number of companies that we've tracked over the 40 or so China EVs and more episodes have become global phenomenons. So I am very pleased to introduce to you our first ever China EVs and more Max episode. Where we bring you conversations we've had with special guests from the EV, AV, and mobility space. And who better to kick it off than Henrik Fisker, founder and CEO of Fisker Inc., which just unveiled the production intent SUV crossover Ocean last week at Automobility LA. The Ocean was one of the most anticipated debuts at the show, and will be offered in three trims: the $37,500 base version, powered by CATL's LFP battery with a range of 250 miles; the $50,000 Ultra version with a range of 340 miles; and the $69,000 Extreme version with a range of 350 miles that extends to 1,500 miles thanks to an additional solar roof panel. Lay was able to sit down with Henrik, so this is where I'll hand it off to him. I first interviewed Henrik almost four years ago at CES 2018 in Las Vegas when Fisker unveiled the E-Motion electric supercar with golfing doors, 400-kilometer range, and lidars. Back then, he was big on lidars, solid-state batteries. In China, when Fisker tried to work with a local partner to launch a robotaxi called the Orbit. I caught up with Henrik at Automobility LA on November 17th, shortly after the ocean reveal. Has his views on China, solid-state batteries, and lidars changed? What is the role of China in Fisker's global ambitions? Here's my conversation with Henrik. So I'm here at the Automobility LA, and sitting in front of me is the man himself. Henrik Fisker. So the last time we spoke was CES 2018. Now we'll go there, but first about the product charging. We haven't talked about charging. So, so what's your strategy on that point? I well, think that's, <coughs> that's. I mean, there's two. There's several things. One is, of course, the vehicle itself, which we're going to announce all the details a little closer to、mm-hmm. start of production.、Mm-hmm. But we have already announced the battery. Has really good capabilities of right, fast charging,、right. so we are going to be able to upgrade it as we move into the future. So I think our battery pack is very future-proof.、Okay. The second part is we also have the ability to do bi-directional, meaning you can actually go in and power up your house with the car. So if you've got a fully charged vehicle, you can power your house up to seven days, depending on how much electricity you're using.、Mm-hmm. And then you're also going to be able to, if you have two Fiskers and You know your partner is stuck somewhere without electricity.、Okay. You can actually go over and charge each, up each other, your、yeah. partner's、yeah. par- car.、Um, so I think that's really exciting. And then, of course, finally, when it comes to the charging infrastructure, we have a deal with Electrify America, which next year will have, I believe, the largest independent charging network in the U.S. Okay. So we're going to be connected. We're going to be able. You're going to be able to see all the charging stations where they are from Electrify America. You're going to be able to go and charge and. Smart Pay and all this type of stuff, and we also did an inv- investment in Europe into a large charging infrastructure company called Eligo. Okay.、Uh, they're just going public or merging into a SPAC here shortly.、Um, so we will again there be able to do smart charging, have all the locations on our screen. So I think that the charging infrastructure is going to develop over the next couple of years into becoming 
as good as the gasoline infrastructure. I don't think it's going to take that long. We are in full speed. And I think ultimately, we already are seeing that pretty much all the different charging groups are adopting the same plug, the CCS okay. plug. And I even rumors that some of the last other EV companies are going to adopt that plug as well. And then ultimately, we, we want, I think, a charging infrastructure that is the best solution for the customer. And the best solution for the customer is that every single charging station is available for everybody with the same plug, just like the gasoline infrastructure. Okay. You wouldn't want a gasoline station, which were a GM gasoline station, another one was a Ford gasoline station. Yeah. That would be really annoying for the customer. Yeah. Yeah. So therefore, I think ultimately we're going to see that a customer is going to be able to go to any charging station and charge your car quick, smart pay. You don't have to get out your credit card or swipe anything. And I expect that will happen over the next two or three years. Okay, so the strategy is to use third-party charging network. Yeah, and I think... Nope, I nope, think nope, no plans on to do your own? We are not going to... I think okay. it's, it's wrong. I, I, just like it's wrong for, right. for car makers to have built their own gas stations and make it exclusive to okay. them, I think it would be really annoying for the customer. There's also customers that both own you know, one car versus like two different brands, and now you have to go to two different charging stations... It just doesn't make any sense. So I think that, obviously, uh, a company like Tesla had to go out and build charging stations because there was none. So they didn't have a choice. But today, we have choices. We have a new infrastructure built in the U.S., which are going to support build-out of charging uh, infrastructure. So I don't think any company anymore needs to do that themselves. I think it's, it's a waste of money and time, and I don't think... It is a good idea for our any customer to have to find out who owns which charging station and where can I go. In, in my view, that makes no sense. That's not how we're going to get to a total electric future. If Tesla opened up their supercharging network, would you be open to charge their supercharging network? Well, of course, anywhere. I, I think it's, it's really about customers. Okay. We should focus on what is best for customers and what is best for driving mass electrification. So I don't care who owns the charge station, and I don't think the customer care. I mean, just like the customer doesn't care who owns the gas station. They never cared about that. That's a good point. All right, enough about charging. Uh, so back to the ocean. We're 365 days exactly from the SOP. Or uh, what's the next milestone that, that you, you have, you know, major milestones that, that you can share so, you know, working with Magna, we have very, very solid plan for startup production. So far, I think we're the only EV company on the planet who hasn't allowed a delay in startup production. Okay. We are on a very good path. In fact, we're on such a good path that already in end of March next year, in a few months from now, we will start building at Magna two vehicles per day. Mm-hmm. And there are startups out there that have announced startup production, and they built maybe just one or two vehicles a day. We will do that way ahead of startup production, because our startup production really means that now we're really ramping up. Mm-hmm. So we're planning to build thirty to uh, sorry forty to fifty thousand vehicles in two thousand twenty-three, and well over a hundred thousand vehicles of just the ocean in twenty-four. So our next milestone is getting started with building two vehicles a day at Magna in the, in the March. I think we have many different internal milestones. We are, of course, starting a marketing campaign shortly that we will slowly ramp up. We don't want to sort of uh, 
spend all our money on marketing right now because we still have quite a while until we start delivering cars. But I could imagine that it's possible for us to start delivering cars before our startup production. So if we could Limited do that, numbers, that would no. be the first, okay. I think, in the world that we could actually get out there earlier than anticipated. Well, that's, that, that would be out of expectations. So that would be good. Um, all right, so let's go back to CES 2018. If you remember our conversation, the three topics, China, you had that mobility thing that was planned. Yep. Solid state mm -hmm. uh, batteries mm -hmm. and LiDAR. Yep. Fast forward to today. What are your views? Have, have your views changed, especially on, and you are big on solid state uh, batteries. My views have changed a lot because when you innovate and create something new, you don't know exactly where you're going to end up because you're making an innovation. You're okay. making, you're, you're inventing something new. Yeah. So I think there was a lot of people at the time that thought that in 2020, last year, we were going to have robo-taxis drive around and make money for people, or we were going to have self-driving you know, right. taxis right. and all that. Uh -huh. That never materialized because as we moved forward with these technologies, we realized there was more obstacles than we saw, and we meaning the car industry generally. So all these predictions kind of, you know, fell through mm -hmm. and it now we're now realizing it'll probably be many many years before we have level five mm -hmm. you know at least another car generation away mm -hmm. so that's on the topic of lidar and self-driving okay. and all that but we do have a very advanced system now which is state of the art and which is a production system with a 4d radar so we can have magna? A, huh? uh, it's it's uh it's not from magna but it's from another okay. another company, all right. All right. Um, but it's we, we did the system with Magna. Okay. But the point here is that you know we have a mass technology. We'll do some really unique things that we didn't even think we could do with ADAS. So we're planning something. We, okay. we haven't announced it yet. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. So that's on the ADA side. When it comes to batteries, at the time we were very very uh, excited about the potential of solid state battery. In the meantime, after I've spent a lot of time working on it, I realized that. The difference between developing something like solid-state battery and building pretty much anything else is enormous. And the reason is that if you, for example, built a 10-story house and you're 90% done, you know you only have one story left and you know exactly how long that's going to take you because you knew how long it took you to build the first nine stores. So the remaining 10%, right? Is so, we, so the remaining 10%, you're fully clear. When you're in solid-state battery technology, you get to 90%, you're super excited, and you don't know how difficult the last 10% is, and they turned out to be a lot more difficult than you could ever have imagined because you actually have to invent stuff. So my personal opinion is that we aren't going to see any solid-state batteries in any cars in the next generation of vehicles. Now, we didn't know that at the time because we were trying to figure things out. Mm -hmm. But I personally do not really believe that we are anywhere close for solid-state battery to materialize into production, mm -hmm. into production okay. vehicles. Okay. I'm not talking about labs and other stuff. So that one for me is out the door, and we were very open about it in 2020 already when we when we shown the first Fisker Ocean. We already announced in January. We are off that. This is not something okay. we want to spend any more money on, and we are using, you know, uh, uh, NMC, and, and now we've also decided right. to use LFP in the yeah. base car. So that's where we are on this subject. And then the third subject was... Well, China, I mean... China. Uh, they're related because there's... I so, counted 12 models are coming out with LiDARs. And there's two LiDARs, three LiDARs, four LiDARs. 
So, China speak. Maybe you can talk. So, about China. It. I mean, <laughs> my view on China, I think, was correct at the time. I felt that China will be uh, driving electrification and will be the biggest market for electrification, and I think they still are, and it's clear. And they're, I think, going full speed ahead with electrification. You know, I think that again, lidars and self-driving cars. I think is super exciting for people who's in that environment, uh, fiddling around with it. I personally don't think that there is a lot of value in consumer, like cost, normal mm -hmm. consumer vehicles. Mm -hmm. Maybe in long haul trucks, maybe mm -hmm. in buses that goes from one airport to another. And that was what we were looking at with, with our small yeah. shuttle. Yeah. So I think in those areas that can be some value because you have to be in a controlled environment. I think the real issue that everybody is figuring out is that we don't live in a controlled, perfect environment when it comes to traffic. We still have potholes we can't fix. Yeah, yeah. We still have people who crosses the road, not where they're supposed to. We still have, you know, children maybe running over the road. We still have a FedEx truck stopping in the middle of a one directional street. And we're going to have to break the law to pass it if we want to keep up going. Mm -hmm. And those are all the type of things that just makes it really difficult to actually create all these self-driving vehicles when you're talking about having a car without a steering wheel. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean we can't have a whole bunch of really cool self-driving features or whatever you want to call them that can enhance safety, enhance the entertainment in the vehicle, that can enhance some annoyances, etc. But clearly, we are far away, as I said, for having an L5 vehicle, and I don't think it's going to happen in China in the next few years, neither, mm. in consumer vehicles. Mm. In Interesting. Randomly everywhere. I know time's tight. Um, maybe just again on China, um, in, in a recent earnings call, um, you talked a little bit about the China entity. Can you, and also maybe CATL, can you uh, share yeah. some light on, on was that reach, that deal, was that very um, recent or was it a long period? No, of we have worked, no, we have worked with okay. CATL for a very long time because we've, of course, already have prototype packs and everything else. So that's something we have worked with them a very long time. We just obviously came to the final sort of deal terms, signed the deal and announced it. And we have had a great relationship with CATL. I personally think they probably have the best batteries in the world right now. Uh, we have tested the latest technology. We, they're in our packs. I think they're by far a leader, both in technology and pricing. So we are super happy for that relationship. And I hope we find ways to expand it further into the future. Then on the product, maybe product plans in China. Any, any uh, yeah, I think there's many possibilities. I think China, for me, you know, we eventually are going to have to go and, and manufacture vehicles in China because you got to be in that market manufacturing if you want to have a big volume. The good news is that Magna already have a joint venture over there where they yep. manufacture vehicles. So I think it'll be relatively easy for us to get into China. We might import some vehicles in the beginning to build the brand, and that could happen as early as end of and end of twenty three. Okay, all right. So, so the the, the ocean. Um, it, what's the percentage? Let's say ninety five percent, ninety percent done uh, in terms of the uh, uh, the final vehicle. Yeah, production. no. This it's so just... this vehicle is made out of the real production data, but it's a lot of this is of course pre production tools, handmade stuff. So right now we're in the middle of the, the tooling phase and testing phase, refinement phase, and then we are building vehicles where you start fine-tuning the vehicles, setting them up correctly in terms of the ADAS systems, the ride and handling, all that has to be fine-tuned. And then you fine-tune the manufacturing process so you can go to full high volume very efficiently. So that's what's going on next year.
All right, I wish you the best of luck. All right, thank you very yeah, much. Thank you. So there you have it, my second face-to-face -face interview with Henrik. Though his views have changed quite a bit since the last time we spoke nearly four years ago, his confidence, exuberance, and provocativeness in what he's trying to achieve have not. His positions on charging strategy, solid-state batteries, LIDARs, and autonomous vehicles are pretty clear-cut and he seems to be quite confident of getting to that job one for the ocean, on schedule. The China factor for Fisker right now is obviously the LFP battery cell and pack from CATL for the base version of the ocean, and it looks like it's being highly touted by Henrik. In the longer term, the question is whether Fisker is willing to enter the Chinese market and eventually manufacture there, especially considering its relationship with Foxhong and Magna, which are both active in China, and whether it can compete at all with some of the already established Chinese smart EV startups there. It's probably too early to talk about that. For now, all eyes are on Fisker to get to that job one and prove to the doubters that its so-called light asset model is viable. Lei and I will be sharing more of our conversations with the men and women around the world moving the EV, AV, and mobility sectors forward as part of this China EVs and More Max series. Some folks will be instantly recognizable, but some will just be people that are doing amazing things in the space that we think deserve to be highlighted. Don't worry though, Lei and I will continue to host our live weekly China EVs and More Twitter Spaces room that summarizes that week's most important news coming out of the China EV, AV, and mobility space. For those that can't catch the live show, you can find the China EVs and More pod on all major platforms or wherever you normally get your podcasts. As EV adoption reaches its global tipping point, it'll be even more important to stay updated on everything that's happening here. Lei and I are confident that China EVs and More is the best resource to do that. Until next time, as always, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.